0: Welcome to Right Side of the Brain, the arts and health podcast created by Interact Stroke Support. Our guest this week is the artist, illustrator and stroke survivor, Lynn Rutherford. This interview was recorded during the period of the lockdown. Uh, Lynn Rutherford, welcome to Right Side of the Brain.
1: Oh, thank you very much, thank you.
0: Um so Lynn, let's start at the very beginning. Could you tell us about your childhood?
1: Yeah, um, my um, I, I was quite lucky with my childhood because i I always felt very loved and knew that I was loved, and the work that I've done since then. You know, I know how important that is, but I'll come to that later. So, but my dad was RAF, so we moved uh, a fair bit. And I, I spent a lot of my formative years first in Berkshire and then in Scotland. Um, and I was home, life was fine. And I was surrounded by, you know, girlfriends and all, all of that. So that was all fine. Um, school, school was a bit traumatic to start with. Um Because uh, I had a teacher who really didn't like English people, Um, so I had a lot of hassle of her, and I suppose it was racism of a kind. Um, And then, but the rest of school was great. uh,
0: When you say uh, she didn't like English people, was was this in Scotland? Yes. Yes. Oh, I see.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I see. Yes. Right, okay. So 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 do you have a, a a vivid childhood memory?
1: Um I've got uh in one from Scotland is going to the old fashioned swimming bars on on a Saturday on the train to, uh, across the Tay Bridge to Dundee. Um and it was all very <laughs> very hot and sticky and noisy and there was uh kiosks all the way around the edge of the pool. Bearing in mind I'm 65 now, so this was a long time ago. It would have been more than 50 years ago. Um, and, it, you know, it was all terribly exciting that we were allowed to do that and, you know, go off and do our swimming. So that's that. I was thinking there's loads of memories associated with that time, but that was a real, that was my first taste of independence in a way.
0: So there you are. you are, you're constantly moving around because of your dad's job in mm. the RAF. What were your aspirations uh, when you were growing up?
1: Well, I, I always fancied myself as something to do with science or nature, so um, I, you know I went to a stage you wanted to be a marine biologist and then and then an astronomer i I really wasn't good enough at math to be either of those things, so i I ended up being a teacher, but that was that was kind of the third aspiration that I came to, and I stuck with that. Um, and then I changed career a lot after I started to teach, but that more of that later. But I, yeah, it, it was. I was always encouraged that the, the you know the world was my oyster and go for it.
0: So, did you go to university?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: And yeah. which one? Which one was that? Well, and and where did to you London go? I went to
1: London University, and I went to and I did a combined degree, as they were then, um, which was uh, partly. You know, it was half art, I did fine arts because I was good at art, and uh, did education as well, psychology and sociology and all that. So you, you could do that then, do a combined teaching degree. And then I taught in London for seven years. So, that so, was so the, you
0: were a, a teacher for seven years, and then, then what 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 happened um, after that?
1: Well, then I, uh, in those days you could transfer from teaching to youth work, so I became I came back up to Norfolk when my my family were. Um, I didn't move back in with the family, but I came back up to Norfolk. And um, I did youth work for a lot of years, stayed in the Eastern Community Service, managed a rural patch with centres in it and and village youth clubs and did community arts work and all that sort of stuff. So I had a great time. And then about halfway through that, I had another change of career because I did my therapeutic training. And then I I I did the sort of psychotherapy with teenagers then, till till I had the stroke.
0: And before we talk about the stroke, could I just focus on um, this point of working with 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 rural youth? Because mm. I I think I think that there will be a lot of people who listen to this podcast, and when they think of youth work, they think of the big inner cities, you yeah. know, with with people from uh, young people from very large council estates yes. can you can you describe the type of issues that rural youth faced and the problems that that you had to deal with
1: yeah i mean a, a lot of it is similar whether they're in a, an urban council estate or a rural isolated cottage which is you know how you feel about yourself and your self confidence and uh, your inner life and your wanting to get in touch with the spiritual side and all that. I mean, teenagers are fantastic at all that, uh, to change the world, to have an opinion, you know, all of that. The, the difference, I suppose, in with rural young people uh, well, was isolation. A lot of them were very isolated. And now, of course, they've got social media, which, although that comes in for a lot of criticism, uh, I mean, it, you know, it does help because they can be in touch with each other and sometimes they're in touch with each other too much. And, then, you know, there was levels of um, abuse, etc., that kind of thing, eating disorders, all, all of that just the same as they would be in, in an inner city. Um, and you get some great people helping to be youth workers and trainees for youth workers who, who haven't forgotten what it was like to be a teenager and go through that transition
0: you're working away with young people um could you then describe what happened with regards to the circumstances of your stroke
1: yeah i mean i'd um i'd finished with the county council and i was working at map which is a big um charity project in norwich still doing therapeutic work with young people uh, so i was everything was kind of normal um I was doing some work in schools as well. And I was fairly stressed, I think, because I'd I'd lost my dad a few years before and my mum was finding it really hard and I'm an only one, so, you know, it it all came down to me to look after my mum. So I found that all quite stressful. My husband had just been diagnosed with Parkinson's and wasn't very well. Um, So, you know, lots happening. But other than that... uh, I was fine and so the, the the day of the stroke we'd been to, like so many people do, had a perfectly normal day, went to a plant fair, bought some stuff at the garden, came back, saw a friend for a cup of tea and then from then on I don't remember. Um, my husband said that I came into the room and said something terrible is happening, I think I'm having a stroke and he called the ambulance. The ambulance was very quick. It was only about 20 minutes. Um, and I don't remember any of that until I woke up about three weeks later. And then I had another three weeks in hospital, so I had six weeks in all. And they they thought that I was going to die. The hospital thought that I was going to die. So um, it, was, it was frightening in retrospect for me.
0: Um, I know that you say that you obviously can't remember a, a lot of what happened there mm. but what's interesting in what you have just said is that you said to your husband I think I'm having a stroke the, mm. the The implication being that you knew what a stroke was.
1: Yes I mean I haven't had any direct experience in the family but um, yeah I, I, I knew that, that that feeling of being lopsided and being unable to correct my balance I think that was that was probably what was happening but I don't remember
0: and did you say that you were in the hospital or you you were you were in in a coma for for three weeks
1: yeah I was out yeah completely
0: yes yeah and you 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 come out of the uh, coma and uh, you find out later that people thought that you just weren't going to make it at all. So this was a very, very severe stroke. Was this a bleed? It was uh, on, a bleed, on, yeah, not right. a
1: clot, yeah.
0: Right. So what what happened after that? What, what was your rehabilitation like?
1: They were fantastic in the hospital because um, they kind of understood that you need to try things out and sometimes not be successful at it, you know, like I would... Over balance occasionally, or you know, and they were very, they were very sort of matter of fact and friendly and caring without being in your face. So they were, they were just great. And I had um, some physio walking, you know, walking up and down stairs because they won't let you home until you can do all that. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't remember numbers and my bank cards or any of that so my stepdaughter my husband's daughter was absolutely fantastic with all that and i had loads of visitors and i think they friends and family grandchildren and stuff and i'm sure all of those got me going if you get my drift you know mm. made me more keen to get well if you like so um i was really ready to come home <laughs> By the time I by the time I finally came home, the only thing I was left with um, was double vision. Um, so I wasn't driving to start with, and it took me a while to get strength back. I think was the other thing. Mm. You know, I felt quite weak.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I I recently did uh, uh, an interview with uh, Juliet Bouverie, who's the chief executive of the Stroke Association. Yeah. And uh, in the conversation, we were talking about stroke, and and I asked her, you know, what she had learned about stroke, you know, over the past uh, few years that she's been been the head of the Stroke Association. And she made a very interesting comment, which was that uh, when she first took over, she was told by numerous professionals and experts that people could only make a recovery up to a certain period of time, up to about you know, six months. And mm. after six months, that's it. That the, mm. You know, whatever recovery you have made, it's not going to improve after that. Mm. Um, but we have encountered so many people who defy that and who have improved, you know, many, many years later. I'd just yeah. like to know your experience and views of, of
1: that. I, I'm with you on that one, I think. I mean, but I but I think the recovery that you make to start with, if you were doing a graph, it's quite steep. Um, although I had trouble, you know, I still have trouble with my eyes, and i But I am driving again, and all that. But I, my strength has just slowly, slowly, slowly regained. Um, my mental health. When I when I first came out of it all, I was terrified it was going to happen again. Now that's still with me. I had counselling about that, and from from a psychologist who was lovely, that was very helpful. But I think that's improved. I think also because I'm having to care for someone and not focus on myself, which I'm not, uh, not much anyway, Um, and a lot of my therapeutic friends would say that's wrong, I should be focusing on myself. But that said, because I'm caring for somebody, that's made me have to gain strength even more. So I think it's still happening. I still think it's exactly two years on for me. And um, I, I think um, I'm still in very small steps making progress.
0: And so, when when you were discharged from the hospital at Lynn, mm. I, I'm I'm guessing that for a period of about six to eight weeks, there was um, professional intervention of occupational and speech therapy. Yeah,
1: yeah, there was all those. I mean, I, I didn't do much with the speech therapist. I I met her in the hospital and um i mean i was lucky that i got all all that was kind of there i don't remember how it was before but from mm. being conscious it was all there it mm. was it was my my eyes really that were the main thing
0: then what would you say that you have learnt about yourself post stroke
1: um well i i've i've learnt that i'm loved which is really important and and um, I've learned to accept help a bit more because I found that really difficult. found that really difficult because I always think that I can do things best if I'm honest. <laughs> so I've learned to accept help. Um, I've learned that I'm tough and can get through stuff. But I've also learned that if there's just kind of the spiritual angle. I don't have a set of faith as such, but um, I do believe that when your time's up, you time's up, and it wasn't my time.
0: So do, do you believe that you're the same person that you were before your stroke?
1: Um, yes, I, I, I think I was. I think I am, but I think I've lost some things, and I'm not quite sure what those are, and I've gained others. So I'm kind of slightly different around the edges. That's a bit of a convoluted answer, but you know what I mean. It's, it, I I am the same person deep inside, but bits bits have changed.
0: Yeah, yeah. Actually, that uh, that that reminds me of of a uh, a play that the writer Nell Dunn wrote called uh, Lost and Found, which was about stroke. Was it? And yes, and it it um, the the premise is that people obviously lose things about themselves, but they yeah. also they also find other things about themselves as yeah. well. You know, as yeah, they yeah, yeah, as yeah. they go along the stroke journey, a, a really fascinating play. Yeah, I've,
1: I've written that down. I'm going to look that up. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: Lost and, lost and Found, lost by, and found. Yeah, by by the the, the the wonderful writer Nell Dunn. Yeah, thank um, you could could you tell us uh Lynn, about your artistic and creative journey w- w- when did that start
1: well i've always always drawn and painted so that's part of me i suppose um um when uh and i and i love doing things for other people so lindsay who i think is the other other person that you've spoken to and she she's written a book which i illustrated um, when I had the stroke she was really keen that I get back to being creative because that was one of the things that I'd kinda of lost. Not for long, but it wasn't you know, it wasn't a burning desire like it always had been. So that got me back into drawing. So whilst I've always done painting I did uh, exhibitions when I did my degree and all that, you know, and I've done exhibitions since. Um but up post stroke it was again starting quite Small and drawing, and she's very good at things being not being too serious or heavy, but being appreciated nevertheless. And it was a lovely collaboration. We've done lots of things together, but that was a, that was a, a good collaboration, and that helped the healing. I think.
0: Could you just uh, remind me again what was your degree in?
1: Uh, art and education.
0: Right, right. So, so, so you you then used. Um, the, the skills that you'd learnt at university,
1: yeah, and I'd always, I've always painted, and I and I used that a lot with like community art stuff and murals with young people, and I, I love sort of sharing that side of things.
0: And well. just for just for the benefit of our, our listeners, uh, Lynn uh, Lindsay, who you referred to, is Lindsay Dowding, um, who is a writer who also had a, a stroke. Um, and she's the author of Charlie, the Horse, Owl and the Planning Application, yes. Which, yes, is, which is which is a a book that's been published and which has illustrations by yourself. Yeah, that's the um, one. Yeah. As I understand it, uh, she's a writer, you're, you're an illustrator and an artist. You both have strokes. You both end up in the same hospital. Yes. Is that how you got to know each other or did you know each other before?
1: No, we've known each other years. We met singing because that's another thing i love to do we met in a choir oh well over 20 25 years ago and have been friends and collaborated on silly charity concerts and all sorts of stuff together yeah so she's she's been a real she's kind of the inspiration and i pad out a few of the details <laughs> so we go on very well we're good at different things good at different things
0: So so there you are, two friends who both have strokes. Mm. Um, and w- were they at the same time, your strokes? Or no, were they?
1: she was the year before me, mm-hmm. the year before.
0: Right. Yeah. So uh, what do you feel, Lynn, needs to change to help stroke survivors?
1: I think, I mean, proper funding, both for the charity sector, the third sector, and and NHS I mean I think that's key to it all because then you can afford to take on the good people to do the work the you know the ones that I came across were absolutely fantastic got no I've got no complaints about any of those but the support services the way it all moves into place uh, when someone's ill um all of that is good. You, they just need more of it for the for the people that come. And I, and I also think the sort of thing that you're doing, which gives people a chance to think privately if they want to, because this is a huge shock and it's a shock to families. And I, you know, people don't always want to be held by this huge noisy beast. If you like, they want some time privately to reflect on stuff. And I think what you're doing is absolutely ideal. So more of that, I think, is important. Um, and and to remember that everyone's experience of a stroke is as individual as they are people, really. Yes. I think that's the other thing to remember.
0: Lynn, as as you will know, uh, interact take uh, professional actors into hospitals and read to stroke yeah. patients on the hospital ward to stimulate memory, stimulate language, to alleviate the depression that is yeah so often associated yeah. with stroke, so with that in mind, um and you've sort of just touched on it there what what are your views of the arts in relation to health?
1: Well, I think a lot of people carry a lot of um, baggage because they weren't good at art at school, and i think I think you, you kind of need to get past all that and get people just to enjoy doing whatever it is they like doing that they can lose themselves in. And when you watch people creating, you know, some like to talk, some like to be quiet, some. but you can completely lose yourself in a creative process and become bigger than who you are, in a way. And there's some people who discover really late in life some amazing talents, you know. But mm. the other thing that you can do with arts, of course, is work cooperatively or singly. Um yeah I just think it's 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 good for you. It's good mm. for you. And I mean art materials can be quite expensive too. So that's another that's another thought with it all, you know.
0: You mentioned your eyesight, Lynn. Mm. Um so what what is the situation with your eyesight in relation to your art and in in relation to your painting?
1: Uh well, it, it it's taken a bit of getting used to, but I've got prisms in my glasses which correct the double vision so technically i can do exactly the same as i did and i can work closely and i've got reading glasses and it's just that i get very tired my eyes get very tired so Mm. the days when i spent all day painting i don't do that anymore but i still i still can paint and that's great that's a gift
0: yes you know and what what medium do you use? Do you use watercolour or oils or acrylics? Well, I'm,
1: I'm learning to use watercolour. I, I used oils when I was at college and then went on to acrylic, and mm. I've been using acrylic for many, many years. Um, mm. But I'm learning watercolours, which is, is lovely. I'm learning it, you know, in an in adult education art class, and it's, it's a lovely thing to do, and it's hard. It's, like, rigorous and stretching me, which is mm. good. <laughs> Good.
0: And, and Lynn, are you based in in Norfolk?
1: I am, yeah, I am, Wyndon.
0: In Windon, And so so what's the stroke community like there?
1: I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I haven't um, really got in touch with other people at all other than Lindsay, Mm -hmm. Um, mainly because I'm very absorbed with what's happening with Parkinson's disease. Oh, i'm to, to you know groups with him and all that sort of stuff so um i uh, i really don't know there are there are stroke groups all over the county but mm-hmm. sometimes i don't want to be reminded of what could have happened which is the other part of it all
0: yes that's interesting um, mm-hmm. uh, i i do hear that quite a lot that do there you? are yeah. that, that yes that there are sort of two types of people yeah there uh types of people who say to themselves they just don't want to be reminded mm. of of stroke and, and what happened mm. and they just want to lead their lives and there's another type who want to share their experiences and and mm. with other people who have gone mm. through something very similar to themselves
1: yeah. yeah yeah I think probably I'm coming around to the sharing bit more but, where, but to start with, I wanted to keep it all, whoa, really a long way off. I'm yeah. still here. Thank God for that. You yes.
0: Know? Yeah. So
1: I think, I think as the time between me and my stroke is getting wider, I'm getting more likely to want to talk to people.
0: And so what what does the future hold for Lynn Rutherford?
1: Lots of painting, lots of singing, lots of dog walking, lots of working at Windham Art Centre, which I volunteer at, um, and um, getting a bit of young people input, because I must never lose that. They yeah. balance life.
0: Yeah. And, and uh, Lynn just out of interest, where, where could people see your your artwork?
1: Well, uh, the last exhibition that I did was at Wyndham Art Centre, so it, it, it'll be building up a, a supply to go into a new exhibition, because so, I haven't got I haven't got that much left, and what I have done is four people, like I've done a watercolour for Lindsay of where she lives up on Yale. So um, I've got to build up a stock, and then I'll be doing hopefully... Next year or the year after, probably another exhibition, and anything that Lindsay does that's sort of creative and booky that requires illustration, I might find myself involved in that as well
0: <laughs> yes, there might be a, 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 a yes no, knowing um uh, Lindsay Dowding there might be another book yeah uh, that she'll be she'll be yeah. planning
1: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Lyn Rutherford, thank you so much for being on right side of the brain
1: you're most welcome. And if, if I can help the project, which is at a slight distance from where I am, I'm really happy to, if you wanted to give me a ring any time.
0: That was Lynn Rutherford. For more information on our work, please do visit our website at www.interactstrokesupport.org and if you're feeling generous, please do click on the big red donate button. We very much look forward to your company on the next edition of Right Side of the Brain.